Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to call to order our finance committee meeting for July 31st, 2023 to order in the city, call, city hall chambers. Roll call, please. LaFlam? Here. Zagorowski? Here. Balakir? Labrie? Here. Tillotson? Here. Roy? Brooks? Okay, we got from, um, just, can we get this a little louder so that people can hear who's talking? Uh, the people coming, we can hear it. We can barely hear I just want to make sure the public can hear the people on here because I'm having a hard time. Uh, Jim, could you speak for a minute? I just want to make sure they can hear you. Good evening. How's everything today? Good. That's enough. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna go. We're gonna go. Uh, also present tonight is Councilor uh, Ward Three, uh, Councilor Lopez. Uh, Concert Krampus, Concert uh, Kushane, Concert Dobaz, and also uh, the registry of voters is here in the audience, and our city clerk uh, is in the audience this evening. Okay. Yeah, I said Concert Lopez. Oh, did I say Lopez? Lopez. I'm sorry. That. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Also, I'm sorry. Also on Zoom tonight, we have Councilor Tillotson. And is there any other counselors on Zoom tonight? Is there any other counselors on Zoom tonight? Seeing none, we're going to go into item one of the Finance Committee. Be it ordered that pursuant to Mass General Law, Chapter 54, Section 25B, the City of Chicopee hereby elects to opt out of mail-in voting for the upcoming 2023 primary and general election. Okay, what I'm going to do is first, I'm going to open up to public input. Is, is there anyone here for public input first? Would like to talk to public If you want to come right up to the mic, please. Yeah, you're one. all set. Wonderful. Good evening. Three minutes, please. My name is Jessica Avery. I live at 118 Am Street in Ward 7. I'm here today to speak in favor of the city of Chicopee maintaining mail-in voting. Although we've seen state funding, it is our obligation as the second largest city in Western Mass to set an example for democracy. And not only that, but also to set an example of where our financial values are as a city. During the last election with a mayoral primary, we saw almost 27% of voters turn out. The last election where we had an open seat for state rep, we saw over 40%. Most of this was done during a time when we had a pandemic, but what we saw was an increase in democracy. And I've heard the argument about the absentee ballots, and while absentee ballots are certainly an option, they are not a solution, and they are not an equivalent to the mail-in voting process. And as such, we need to maintain and have those distinctions as a city. Because as a city, we need to again set an example that democracy is not just for a few, democracy is for all of us. And unfortunately, what we've seen is more people coming out 
And what this feels like is a very deliberate manner to silence voices. When we put a dollar amount to democracy, we are saying that people's voices are worth more than others. And as the city of Chicopee, which has continuously opened its doors for others and has been a voice, we need to maintain that voice for all of our residents. And when we look at the costs of it, which ranges from about 30 to 65, I've heard, when we look at the rainy day funds that we have, when we look at the COVID funding that we have, and when we look at the additional income tax, uh, pardon me, the additional taxes that are going to be coming into the city, it is critical that we reinvest those into our democracy and into our people. That money cannot be sitting in a bank account because that interest is not financial. It's of the people. And we need to be putting those dollars into the people and not a bank account. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else for public input? Name and address, please. Uh, Lisa Bienvenue, 34 Everett Street, Ward 9. Um, I, I agree that we should be having mail-in voting, and we should also have early in-person voting. Um, the people who are most affected by um, only having voting on Election Day are the, the populations that are marginalized, that have difficulties, that are are maybe have to hold a couple of jobs in order to make ends meet. And we know that our, our um, children, that we're getting a lot of money from the state because of the poverty levels in this city, which, which matches with their parents. Because if, if the parents aren't at a poverty level, the children aren't out at a poverty level. So we should be making our doors open for people to vote. And I think at one meeting it was said that it was like $17,000 and I may be off about that value of what it cost for the um, early in-person and with the mail-in voting. Um, that's a nominal fee considering, you know, in the paper it has said, we think we've been off at least $150,000 a year for five years on what we've paid for health insurance premiums for people in the city. Um, and, but, you know, the mayor has said that's, that's just a drop in the bucket. That's, that's the price of doing business that those things happen. So if we can be cavalier about that money, then we should be all for spending money on bringing people in to vote and, and making it accessible to everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else for public input? on the floor. Is there anyone else for public input in the chambers? Is there anyone for public input on Zoom? Is there anyone else for public input on Zoom? Make a motion to close public input. Motion to close public input. Motion made and second to close public input. Roll call, please. Lamb? Yes. Zigarowski? Yes. Labrie? Yes. Tillotson? Yes. Thank you, and the motion passes. Okay, so what I'd like to do tonight is just a couple of things. Uh, as you mentioned uh, in the order, what we hear tonight is for the mail-in voting only, discuss the mail-in voting only. Uh, it was sent to the city council to refer to the city council to discuss this item. One of the things on, that was asked to be done at that was to ask the state legislators if they would, uh, there would be monies to assist us with this. And we received a letter that says it, they, they will only do the state, not the local. 
So I just want people to know that we, the letter did come from them, and there is nothing from them that, uh, that they will uh, sponsor any money to the city uh, to reimburse us. The other uh, item uh, we received was from the Register of Voters regarding the, uh, let me go back to, uh, as you may know, the council opted the person. This is, has to do with, um, actually, I'll, I'll ask you to speak about it in a minute, okay? I'll let you talk about your letter because you're here for it. Thank you. And the, that's the last one. So what I asked tonight to do is I asked the city uh, uh, clerk in the city register of voters to be here tonight to explain some of the things that uh, we want to do. But what I want to do for, uh, also is just mention uh, when when we brought this forward, um, I brought it forward um, was on behalf of the city clerk that just wanted to let the taxpayer know what it cost last time. We were not against silencing voters at all. That wasn't the intent. We wanted to get out and show exactly what it costs. How I vote tonight, it will determine how how I vote. But the whole thing of this being, uh, you know, so silenced voters is not what's ha what's happening here tonight. It's to explain for the public and it for, and uh, the residents of the city that we are here to just explain the whole uh, process of what's being done and at the request of looking for the state to help us, which they were not. So that's why uh, we did this meeting tonight. It's trying to be transparent. Everybody wants transparency. This is somewhat transparent is to get it out and let the people know what's going on. And that's why we did this. Um, but I do want to read uh, just because um, I'm glad we had this because I received uh, an email from a, an elderly woman. I just want to it shows that someone mentioned about, uh, I believe the first young lady mentioned about uh, the difference from uh, absentee ballots or, uh, you know, and that type of stuff. Um, uh, but she wrote me and she brought, I am a 78 year old handicapped resident of Ward 1. I am appalled that an elected official would deny the elderly and handicapped citizens the ability to vote in miserable election. I urge you to vote against this proposal to ensure that all eligible have equal rights to vote. And so I'm glad I had to, we're having this meeting tonight because that's not how we all feel tonight. We just wanted to make it transparent and explain it all and then we'll do our vote. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just, that bothered me when I received that when I actually uh, called the young lady and uh, has not received a call back from. So I'm gonna ask the city uh, register to come up, if you could explain the absentee ballots, please, first. I know it's not part, but it's to stop the confusion of what the three do. So if you can explain your email and what the absentee ballot is, okay. come on up, please. You can come right up here if you want. Oh. And Keith, oh, yep. I'm trying to make, make sure we all get the distinction of what each one does. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want you to stand through the whole thing. If you can just pull the mic because it's got a soft voice. Explain is that um, <clears throat> somewhere in December of 2022, the state has changed that the municipalities um, in doing early voting. So that was across the board, right there. So from there. Um, law has changed from 2020 that was mandatory 2021 that was mandatory 2022 that was mandatory 2023 
not mandatory. If I could have asked you to hold one, I would just want to uh, note that Councillor uh, Mary Beth Costello is in the present this evening mm -hmm. too. Thank you. Now, um, when we had the board meeting on July 18th, um, we had discussed it with the board members and through the early in-person public voting. And after due the consideration, the members of the voted not um, voted not to opt in the in-person voting. So they had more than 50% that over across the board that the board of register decided not to do it. Okay. Now, if you can, that's that one. Now, if you can talk about the absentee. Absentee is throughout the past uh, practice that we've never denied anybody's rights to vote by mail. It doesn't matter if you can't get to the polls or for religious reasons, um, you know, so we've always accepted everyone as long as they're a registered voter and for that ward and precinct that they're requesting, you know, wherever their address is. And um, we've always accepted the application. We've never denied anybody unless they live in that ward and precinct and they never registered to vote. Okay, thank you. And now we're gonna have uh, uh, City Clerk Keith Rattel uh, discuss the mail-in ballot uh, process. And uh, I wanna thank him for bringing this forward so that we can all talk about, understand the three processes. Keith, if you could. So uh, mail-in voting and early voting is mandatory for state and federal, you know, the president. Mail-in mail -in and in mail-in voting and uh, early in-person voting made mandatory for presidential and state elections, not for municipal elections. What the state did do in that law is they um, made a provision for local municipalities to opt out of it. If uh, you had a problem with funding it or didn't want to pay for it, that was their way of not paying for it, but giving you the opportunity to opt out. So I'm just doing my job, letting you know that you have the opportunity to opt out because I don't think the council knew that you have to that you have the opportunity to opt out and i provided you what it has cost it, uh, the city in the past so that you would have all the facts and figures it's certainly not an attempt to suppress votes i know you, you get a couple emails uh, not the case i certainly and along with the registrar would like to see 100 percent turnout for voting that's what we do as a registrar and the clerk um, so all we're doing is bringing forth the facts and the figures and letting you know as a board that you have the opportunity, if you so wanted to, to exercise what the state uh, put in there as a provision to opt out. Nobody's recommending that you opt out. Um, certainly, we, like I said, we want to see 100% participation. Uh, likely won't. I will tell you... Um, in looking at the numbers, whether it's mail-in voting or the early in-person voting, uh, it has not moved the needle on participation. We're still landing in the same percentages of voter turnout. It's just more convenient. You know, if, if somebody wants to just vote from their kitchen table, they can. They, they don't have to, uh, you know, come down to um, their polling place and wait in line and, and vote the traditional way. Uh, it's easier and easier, uh, and there are more and more options to vote than ever here in the Commonwealth. So the vote by mail, um, if you choose to uh, do nothing, it, it'll be in place. 
um, I realized you had to word it the way you worded it on the agenda because you have to word it one way or another. Uh, the only option you have is to opt out. So that's why it was worded that way on the agenda. I see you're not really understanding that. Maybe I need to explain that better. Oh, it's not that I don't understand it. I just don't believe that the only way to word it was to opt out. We could have easily worded receiving your letter and okay. saying that we're making a stance and saying that we were opting in regardless. That's oh, not, that's, that's a choice. Okay, sure, okay, sure. So, the, so Mr. President, so the process, the process only allows you to opt out. So the only way you could have worded, my opinion, the only way you could have worded your order was to opt out and then just have everybody vote against it. Uh, you can't opt in. You're already in. That's the law. Um, the only way out of it and to not pay for it is to word your order the way you worded it to opt out. So how you vote is the stance that you're going to take as a board and everybody has a vote. So that's the process. Uh, Mail-in voting is here. And if you choose to do nothing, uh, it will be in full force uh, for the municipal election in November. Okay, uh, thank you, Keith. So Keith, let me ask you a question. Um, so the process is, and part of the thing is, is do we have to mail it to all residents or do you have a choice of, like Springfield does? Um, I read Springfield's, how it's they do theirs. Sorry, yeah, so it's not a requirement um, that uh, the postcards be sent out again. So they were already sent out by the state and you could have chose to, uh, do mail-in voting for all elections, or you could have chose just state elections or presidential elections. If you chose all, you'll get a ballot. If you didn't, if you just chose the state primary and the state election, you just go on online. You go on uh, the registrar's website, or you go on my website, and you, you just do it all online, and we send you a ballot. Very simple. So is that the process you would, if this voted tonight, that's, that's the process you would use? Correct. Absolutely. So it's not denying anybody to not at all. to get a ballot. Nope. Uh, they can call and get a ballot, go on the line and do it. Uh, right. I believe, I know Springfield had one. I just received it tonight. Someone sent it to me. What someone's using as part of their, uh, as part of their advertisement is the three processes you can do it. And one of theirs is uh, you can request one um, to be mailed to your house. And it's the same way as that's a mail-in ballot yep. um, to that. Processes are on no different than... Absentee ballot. And the processes are on the registrar's website, my website, and the Secretary of State's website. It couldn't be easier to find how to do it. How to do it. So what we should be, if I could, if we, we should probably, if we're going to go that route, is advertise it too. Somehow how they can do it, get the website and put it on Channel 5. Uh, different ways of putting it out there uh, to make sure everybody gets it. That they can contact your office or your office and they can receive uh, a ballot. Uh, for the home, the person living there, but we have to let the, how do we let the people know uh, the process, you know, that they can still do it. You know, they can get a mail-in ballot, but the process of doing it. No, and uh, mail-in is the same way, basically. They would call and request it for me. If I wanted one, I would call a city clerk's office. It says I would like to get a mail-in ballot, and he would check it and verify it and send it to me, correct? Correct. That's the process. That's how Springfield, I believe, is doing it. So... Yes. Okay. Oh, that's the way it's done across the board. Mandatory. Okay. Thank you. All right. Councilor Labrie. Yes. Uh, I just had a couple of questions uh, to the city clerk. Uh, if somebody calls or uh, can they call in to get a ballot mailed, uh, mailed to them? They still have to fill out an application where they do it online or, or we mail it to you or, you know, 
could print it and mail it in. And at any point, do we verify that they're uh, who they say they are? Yes, the registrar would do that. She would verify with me, and then you'd get the ballot. So if you had four ballots going to one house, would you have four different envelopes? Correct. Addressed to the four household members that requested them. Thank you. One question, Barb. What's the timetable? The timetable for people to do this if we opt in or out or whatever? Oh, so sorry. Yeah, I, thank you. Sorry about that. The applications for um, absentee ballots are you have to noon time to do it in person, and then also by mail, you have um, the two days prior to the primary or, or the election. Um, vote, vote by mail is usually the fifth day. So you have, there's a deadline on those applications. Everything has a deadline for all the applications, but vote by, by absentees are less time. So we're there, the absentees, you know, you accept pretty much anyone that make it or not. How about the, the opt-in though? How much time, is there a time in that too? No, you're, you're already in. We're, we're in. By, by law, you're in. Opt out, what's the timetable? On the uh, within 45 days of the election. So you'd have to vote 45 days before the election. Out, okay. opt out. Okay, you all thank you, I'm all set. Uh, Councilor Tillerton, do you have anything to say? No, I'm just listening now as we go along. It's getting more interesting, okay. uh, the options that we have. Thank you. Okay, is there anyone, I'm make sure there's no more other city councilors on Zoom. I don't, I only see one. Okay, uh, any other city councilor would like to speak? Councilor Brie again. One more question uh, to the registrar, I guess. Uh, we're our, okay, so we're already in for uh, the mail-in, so we have to opt out of that one mm -hmm. uh, if we didn't want it. Mm -hmm. And uh, as far as the uh, the voting by uh, uh, in person, early voting, that's not on the agenda. Just the oh, just this agenda. is on the agenda. Oh. I just wanted to explain oh. the three of them for people could understand a little because okay. I got a phone call. They, people were just not understanding it. Okay. Just the mail-in is what we're discussing, but. Just the explanation was for the three of them okay. from the, from these folks. Thank you. Any other comments? Councilor Lewis? We did open up the can of worms by having her explain it, so I would love to actually hear Councilor Labrie's question regarding the in-person as well. I, I think once we start discussing something, okay. it's fair game. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. So I'll, I'll see to Councilor Labrie for that question, and then I'll ask mine. Okay. So back to my question. Uh, where we you've opted the registrar's office and the board has opted to uh opt out of may uh, early no, early person yeah. you you'd have to opt in mm -hmm. it's it's weird the way the state worded it we'd so have to opt in if the register and it's a vote that only controlled by the registrar of voters yeah, it, it's their purview to, if they wanted to opt in that that's what they would have had to do they would have had to opt in you guys have the opportunity to opt out. Okay, so thing. if they opt out, that means there's no early voting. They would have to opt in. So if they do not, if they do nothing, if they, if they, a little confusing, they would have to opt in in order to have it. 
So then we would set up the poll here at City Hall. Uh, you know, we'd have the early in-person voting, which they looked at the numbers, and certainly I and the registrar looked mm -hmm. at the numbers. You know, we're getting seven people a day or, or nine people a day, and, and uh, not. Yeah, it was drawing a lot of people. Um, so I, I I can't tell you what they were thinking, but I'm guessing that that's probably why they you know figured you've got absentee uh, ballot. <clears throat> which has always been available, always will. Now you've got the early voting. I think they're hoping that the council would uh, not opt out. So you've got, you know, instead of coming here to City Hall, you know, a few days earlier, you can vote right from home, right from your kitchen table. So I, I believe that's probably what they were thinking when they took they their, did. They their vote. They through the consideration of everything, yeah. yeah. So as it stands today with that letter we received, uh, we're not going to have early uh, voting here at City Hall. Early in-person voting traditionally did not draw many, so no. But you have, and that's not a that's a vote that the board of registrars takes. That's right, not the way a, the law was wrote. Uh, the council has again the opportunity to opt out of the mail-in voting. Thank you. Thank you. Great. I just have a couple of questions and a couple of things to say. I said this at the last meeting and I still stand by this. I think getting rid of mail-in voting disenfranchises elderly folks, handicapped, people who work odd jobs, particularly people of color. The email that Councillor Laflamme received, I agree with that. It absolutely creates, um, it just creates a breeding ground for people not being able to exercise their right to vote. Um, it's not making it any easier for people to get involved with democracy and that's not what we should be doing. Democracy doesn't have a price tag. Um, I think disenfranch disenfranchising voters, I said this last time, is what we see in states that don't be don't believe in adhering to the basic foundation of democracy. Opting out of, of mail-in voting is just because we have absentee voting, it goes against our constant call for civic engagement. And doing so, so close to an election, um, even if we're saying that you know we, we want to give information for folks to be, know how to use these mechanisms, it's too close. Had we had this conversation, um, you can shake your head, no, that's fine. No, but had we had this conversation, you know, months ago when we knew that this was still an option, whether we wanted to opt in or out and, you know, maybe inform the voters, I still don't believe we should have opted out of mail-in voting at that point. But even then, I would understand, okay, well, maybe at least we're making an effort to let voters know how to, how to use the different forms of voting. But so close to an election where people may not receive the message, may not understand how to exercise their right to vote in other ways, may not have access, I think it's irresponsible of us. Um, it's irresponsible of us to not give residents every opportunity to vote. It's, it's not about money. It's about people's right to vote. And people have fought very hard for what we have, that it's our duty to provide access to that right as elected officials. Um, I, I believe that if we had received Clerk Rattel's letter and immediately said, you know, we want to continue mail-in voting, the, the, it could have been worded different. We didn't have to word it to opt out. We could have worded to continue. We could have worded and took a stance from the beginning that we wanted to keep this. Uh, but how the conversation's flowing, it's, I don't get the impression that we do want to keep this as a whole body. And I, I urge my, my colleagues on the council to keep mail-in voting, especially when the Registrar of Voters has already opted out of early in-person voting. We've already taken away the way that some people are able to vote. And so to take, out, take away a second way people are able to vote, over what sixty thousand dollars, give or take, that is there is no price on democracy. 
I don't think any, I think about, you know, when I think about taxpayer dollars and I think about the money we spend as a city, right? Like we're talking about, there's 55,000 people in our city, give or take. If every person gave a dollar so people could exercise their right to vote, I don't think there are many people who would be upset about giving a dollar so that people could go vote. And so when we think about how we spend money, we should be thinking that way as well. As an average person, would I mind giving a dollar to this? No, not at all. Would I mind giving $10? No, not at all. Would I personally mind giving all of my taxes to this cause especially? Specifically, I would. I, I would be happy to give all of my taxes. If every single dollar of my taxes were allocated to this, I would be happy with that because I would know that we're doing the right thing by protecting people's right to vote. And we have a bunch of questions on, right now on the floor as counselors. And so if we have questions, I can only imagine the questions that the residents would have about how they're able to access voting during this election and elections moving forward. We don't want to set a precedent that we're taking away people's rights to vote, especially by mail-in voting. Put the, uh, through the chair to our registrar, could you explain to folks the process to request an absentee ballot? That's for an absentee ballot? Could you speak up to the mic? Oh, sorry. For absentee ballots, um, anyone is eligible to vote. We never deny anyone's right to vote. All you have to do is fill out an application. You don't even have to fill out an application. It's in the mic. Oh, sorry. You don't have to fill out an application. Um, you can have it on a piece of paper, on a napkin, as long as it has what you want. Do you want to vote by absentee? Here's my name. Here's my address. Please send me an absentee ballot. If you say for all elections, we give it for all elections, and we accept that form. So what I understand from that process is that people have to go out of their way to request this. And the understanding for many residents, because this is how the absentee ballot is written, whether it's how you enforce it or not, the way the absentee ballot is written is you have to give a reason as to why you require an absentee ballot. So when I've spoken to residents about this, they, some residents are like, oh, we can't request an absentee ballot because we need a, a, re, a specific reason to request it. Whereas with mail-in voting, folks don't need a reason because everyone has the option to opt into mail-in voting because we send it to everyone. So the barrier of requesting, right, of having to go out of their way to request using their right to vote is removed when we do mail-in voting. But with absentee voting, people have to go out of their way to request to be granted their right. I think that we're doing a huge disservice to our community if we opt out, especially when we've already opted out of in-person early voting. But I'm just one vote on the board, so hopefully my colleagues agree. Thank you. Any other, Councilor Krampich? Just to kind of summarize, make sure that I understand it uh, completely for federal and state elections, there is uh, mail-in um, uh, ballots available because that's provided or funded by the state. And also is early voting also occurs for uh, federal and state elections? So that? Yes. Okay. So really it's just for municipal elections where um, after the vote of the Board of, of, uh, of Register of Voters, opted out of early voting, so that's not happening for municipal elections. Early, early uh, in person. The yeah. council is basically discussing whether or not to opt out of mail-in voting. That's the process, correct. Okay. I, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm on at least the same page um, with that. I guess 
from my point of view, I tend to like consistency. I think when you change things, as people just a lot of times think of it as voting in general, not so much, oh, this is a state uh, or federal election, this is a city election. I mean, I think, I know people know the difference of who they're voting for, but I think people familiarize with going to the same, you know, voting location. Yeah, so I think this kind of falls into that, that, that the change, you know, when you start changing things, um, that can be a problem. And then the, the second thing I just wanted to, to cover is I appreciate uh, the, regist the register allowing people to basically request an absentee ballot uh, without really any reason, but you know, someone else could uh, you know, take that position at some point in the future and they might say, well, this is the way I interpret it and I'm gonna enforce that everybody needs to have an excuse. So um, I'm personally in favor of keeping the balloting going forward. I think the price that we pay for it is really not that expensive. I know that you know, you know, tens of thousands of dollars is a lot of money, but I think in the big picture, um, and especially a lot of people feel that uh, and watching the news that democracy is under assault. And I think when we feel that that's happening, we want to make sure that we keep everything in place to assure that voters have a fair chance to go to the polls. And that, that's all I have to say. I, I, I appreciate, you know, uh, Clerk Rattel bringing it forward, you know, for, for a discussion. Um, I, you know, I understand there was probably backlash or there really shouldn't have been any, that it should be, I'm just presenting, you know, this is what the expense is and, do, and does the council want to stay with it? And I think maybe unfortunately that got taken as, a, as it was becoming more of a personal uh, issue, but I appreciate uh, Clerk Rattel bringing it forward and that we're having a discussion you know, with the public and, and making it uh, you know, transparent. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, I agree with uh, Councillor Krampitz. Uh, well, first of all, I want to thank uh, Keith Rattel. Thank you to our clerk for, for bringing it forward. Uh, Keith, you know, I think highly of you. Uh, but I agree with Councilor Krampitz. Um, I, uh, I think we should be consistent with all elections. I think uh, when we become inconsistent, it messes up voters. Uh, and I think that's wrong. I think it hurts democracy in the city. Uh, I'm in favor of the mail-in voting. And I think especially cutting it this late uh, is, uh, it, it would be sketchy. I, I think with so many contested races, I think it's really bad optics for the city. And I think it would benefit certain candidates uh, if we opt out this late. Uh, if, if we're even going to discuss this, I think it should be in either off years. And if that's not possible, then it should be discussed before candidates pull papers. Uh, because otherwise, in my opinion, it, it could be seen as favoring some candidates over other candidates, uh, which could be illegal. You know, uh, I, I don't support that. We should be consistent. Uh, and, uh, you know, we should uh, keep the mail in voting. And I'm, I'm disappointed that uh, we opted out of the uh, in, I mean, uh, early voting. Excuse me. I'm disappointed that our voters decided to opt out of that um, because I, I believe uh, Council Krampus said I think we should be consistent. Thank you. So just add until the good point. So here's my reasoning. Since we eliminated the early voting, the mail-in voting actually will uh, work for those people who would have probably early voted. So 
we don't eliminate anybody by eliminating early voting. We're not going to eliminate any votes as long as we keep the mail in, because I believe that's going to be a tool that those people who would have come early will actually utilize to replace the fact they can't come in early. So we can't eliminate both options uh, from people because they really are the same thing in my point of view. You know, it just it's the accommodation. So I agree with the consistency. Um, you know, we should do that. It's you know, like you said, dollar a person. It's just you know, even if it was ten dollars a person, it doesn't matter. We have to respect and and you know protect people's rights to vote. So uh, don't eliminate all the options because uh, early to me, early and mail in are kind of the same thing for that same demographic. So let's make sure we take care of them. Thank you, Contra Costello. Not going to reach. You could just go over. I agree with my colleagues in regards to keeping the voting option, and I uh, I I, I want to commend the register of voters. Always very very courteous and 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 uh, very professional. But in and opting out for in-person voting. Even though there weren't that many people, there were people. There were people here. And there's no guarantee that they're going to do the mailing process because that's not as easy as coming down to the, this location, especially if you live in this area, and vote. Mailing process is better than non-mailing, but we've got to make it convenient and easy for people to vote because that increases the numbers and it preserves democracy. So I'm, I'm here tonight and I am personally disappointed that the in-person is no longer with us for municipal elections. But it is early in person, but it is, it is still for the federal and state elections. Is that correct? Yes. It is, okay. So now you're telling the voter, if it's a federal election or a state election, you can do this. But if it's a municipal election, you can't. That's the process prescribed yeah. by the law. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I'm just personally disappointed. I know people that like that in person because you never know what can happen. You could get sick that day. You can um, have a problem where you're a caretaker and somebody need your help and you can't get to the polls and you didn't think about so about early uh, the mail-in so what you did is you came down and you knew that your vote was now guaranteed so I'm very happy with the, the federal and state having that option but I wish the city did as well too again it's what I said right from the beginning voting is priceless thank you Thank you. Councilor Bree. Yes, uh, I think the clerk may have this information. Can we have just the stats on how many early people voted in the uh, state election and mail-in and absentee? Do you have that, all those figures? No, I do not have that this evening. Uh, but I will tell you, the early in-person voting you know, only drew maybe seven people a day or 10 people a day. I mean, it wasn't very popular. Uh, that's why a lot of cities and towns across the Commonwealth are not opting in to the early in-person voting, uh, they're just saving the dollars and uh, just letting it go with the mail-in voting, where instead of even coming down here to find a parking space, you just vote from your kitchen table. That, like Councillor Cushane 
uh, delineated takes the place of, okay, so I can't go down the city hall, uh, but I'll just, I'll do it right from home. But I will say the, the mail-in voting, if we go back to the presidential election, on election day, have about 300 poll workers that run the election for the city all across in all the different wards. Um, half of that presidential election was done by mail. That's five people in my office, my staff of five, handled half of a presidential election right in our office. Okay, <laughs> think about all the offices that you work at, and all of a sudden you're told hey, you're going to run a presidential election. We're doing, you know, dog licenses. We're doing, uh, board. We're doing your agendas. We're doing uh, death, uh, death records, marriage licenses. I mean, just the work of the office. And so that's where these uh, dollars come from. Is you know, you, you've got to pay people to work. And you got to pay them overtime. And sometimes we'll borrow. I see the health department here. Sometimes we'll borrow employees from other departments because it's just not feasible to do it. Uh, all with a five-person staff. My staff during that presidential election would come in at seven o'clock in the morning and at times leave at 10 o'clock at night for months, not having dinner with their families, not seeing their husbands. Um, and they're union employees and don't really have to do that. Did it. And I'm proud of them for doing it. And I value them uh, for doing it. But just to give you an idea of what the numbers are for that presidential election, about half of that election was was done by mail. So it is popular. So half the city voted by mail yeah. on that election. Just so we still have to have the same number of people out there in the polls. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you're still paying for it. You still by law you have to have a certain amount certain number of people at each poll working it. I got your letter from the, the Board of Registers. primary reason you want to opt out of this is financially or because of the amount of numbers that people voted? He's in my oh, phone. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was the amount of uh, the people that were turnout. turnout was very, very low. Oh, how low was the vote? Um, it was lower than 20. It was actually lower than 2020 uh, in 2020. This is going on all over the state. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, they had a. Yeah, so it's a very low turnout. Not denying anybody a right to vote. Never denied anybody the right to vote um, for any type of applications. Yep. Hey, Thank you. Uh, any counselors on Zoom? Seeing none. Okay. So, anyone else? Second time for the counselors. Okay. I just want to make a, just a couple of comments, if I may. Um, again, I'm going to thank counselor, uh, counselor, I'm sorry, uh, Claire Crutel, uh for bringing this up. Uh, yeah, I think he was the president. Long time ago. Um, for bringing this uh, up to us, and, and also you bringing it to us. So we understand. I know I was on the phone with you, Keith, uh, many times today to understand it myself. Um, I did call Springfield and a couple other places. But I, I you know, and I to go back to, the, you know, people saying we're trying to silence folks. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that uh, speaking with Counselor uh, again, Clerk Rattel, 
uh, we usually have counselors up here, uh, clerk would tell, I had mentioned to him earlier, just so you know, um, that I was voting in favor of keeping it. I was not going against it, but I thought it was a great idea. Did I not? Correct. I thought it was a great idea just to explain it all. So that's, you know, people always think, you know, because we bring things forward and ask all these questions sometimes, we're against things. It's not. It's trying to be somewhat transparent and understand the whole process because there's a lot of calls I got. I got people that don't want it, and I have more people that want it. So there is people out there that don't want it worse. They think people should go to the polls. So, you know, it. but I looked at the, the numbers, as, Contra, as uh, Clerk Patel just mentioned, that there was half almost voted by mail. So in my opinion, that's a, that's a big number. So, you know, tonight I will be voting to keep uh, the early voting, but, it, but I wanted to bring it out. So I, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry people thought that we were already making up our minds to get rid of it. That wasn't the intent at all. It was just to explain the whole process. And I had a lot of people ask me about it. And I, I think uh, I told them to watch, you know, the, this, this tape uh, or get it and understand it. If not to call your two offices to understand it. Because it is a little bit, you know, when there's three different options you have out there. And this young lady that sent this to me made, made a big difference for my vote, too. So uh, with that said, I'll take a motion to what we would like to do. Uh, I'll make a motion as it, uh, not that I have to vote that way, but uh, it's uh, yeah, option. Uh, make a motion that we opt out of mail-in uh, voting. I'll right. make, I'll so if motion. we opt out, we opt out if it, uh, a yes vote would opt us out, a no vote would, would a, no, a no vote would defeat the or defeat the motion. That's all. So then, oh, and it, right. then it would remain. They would just be reported unfavorably back to the council. But it will remain in place that mm -hmm. early morning, early uh, mailing mail voting will occur. Yeah. Okay. I just yes. want to be clarify how we clarify. Yeah, it's I mean, going to be weird yes. making a, a negative motion. So if yeah. you want to keep it the way the mail-in ballot, uh, mail-in ballot, um, you vote. Uh, well, no. that's not the, the way I want to keep it, but I think it would be easier for people to understand right. because it's already on the agenda. Uh, we put it in out there. We're going to opt out. And if you want to vote yes, you vote yes. If you, want to, if you don't want to opt out, you, you vote no. Okay. So no vote will keep your name. Okay. Can we get it? And I'll second the motion. Can we get it? Lamb. So a no vote will keep it. No. Sigurowski? No. Labrie? No. Tillotson? No. And the motion passes. Okay. So the mail-in ballot, the, mo the motion is defeated. Yeah. I'll go on so to the full so council. So we do, we'll be continuing the mail-in ballot. As long as the and full council. Both votes no. This tomorrow, right? Yeah. Tomorrow. You'll have time. Tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. If anyone's here for that. Welcome. Okay. Thank you both for coming and explaining and taking the time. Okay. Item two on the agenda. Be it ordered that the following non-binding questions shall be placed on the November 7th, 2023 ballot for the city of Chicopee. Okay. Okay, so uh, Councilor Cushane, you want to 
your motion? Sure. No, the reason I brought it is uh, continued uh, support from the public to for me to keep pursuing the matter. Unfortunately, the matter lies in the mayor's hands and not mine. So everything, what else could I do um, to keep putting out what the people want and their voices to be heard? And that was a ballot question. Um, it's a non-binding ballot question. It's simply just basically an opinion poll. Um, what do the people want? And uh, I don't see any harm in letting the people have an opportunity to have their voice heard while they're at the polls voting with everything else. Um, there's no financial, nothing to it, and it's not mandatory that we do it if it passes. It's simply let the people be heard, and let's see what it, you know, let's see if the people that are continuing to, you know, encourage me to pursue it are, are they the majority or the minority? We don't, won't know until we bring it to the polls. That's all. Thank you. You want to talk about it? Uh, Lisa from the health department. Sure. Can you guys hear me? Just bring it close to you. I don't know if it's a mic. Put this yeah. one. Okay, sure. <laughs> I thought I'd do it after on this one. Well, maybe, should we get it first and I can okay. answer their questions? Like, or? Okay, I'll make a motion. Uh, open, um, motion to open public input. Roll call, please. LaFlam? Yes. Zagorowski? Yes. LaBrie? Yes. Tillotson? Yes. Is there anyone for public input on item number two? Yep, just come on up. Good evening again. My name is Jessica Avery and I live at 118 Ingham Street. I am speaking in favor of having this non-binding question on the ballot. During the last election, question five and question six were both non-binding questions. And what we saw was almost 90% of voters respond to those non-binding questions. And there have been folks who have met with state representatives, who have met with state senators about those non-binding questions, specifically when we look at the Medicare for All question that was non-binding in the past 2022. So when we, again, are talking about democracy and what that means as a community, it's not only coming to public hearings like this, it's understanding when people are coming to the polls where they stand. And this also gives us a really great opportunity to further educate people on what is available to the city as well as what the opportunities are. So again, I just wanna speak in favor of having this non-binding question on the ballot. Thank you. Thank you. Any other one for public input on the floor? Is there anyone on Zoom for public input? Is there anyone on Zoom for public input? Yes. Jim, you're not public input. Well, you can talk in a minute, Jim. You're still on the city council. Hold on. Uh, I'll take a motion to close public input. Motion to close public input. Motion made in second to close public input. Roll call, please. LaFlam? Yes. Zagorowski? Yes. LaBrie? Yes. Tillotson? Yes. Okay. Jim, you'll be the first to speak. Go ahead. For the no, city council. I don't have any problem with... Uh, putting it on a ballot and getting no public input, it's going to be non-binding. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, poor Councillor Cushane has been trying for I don't know how many years to get a, a uh, an officer in charge of ordinances. And so I, I, I got to the point now where I'm kind of curious to see what the public will say, given an opportunity. So. Uh, I don't see where it's going to cause any problem. It doesn't require any any expenditure at this point. Uh, so I'm, 
I feel good to feel sorry for Councillor Gushane. He's tried so hard so many years. So I would hope, let's see what happens on this question. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Councillor Gray. Yeah, I I agree. I, you know, I, I think it could go on this uh, uh, ballot and uh, a non-binding, but I did hear the mayor speak at a couple of the uh, neighborhood meetings that he was going to entertain a uh, half time, you know, so yeah, this would be my meeting. Imagine that. Not at your meeting. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I've heard him say that on a number of occasions, but we haven't seen it yet. And uh, before I make any further comment, I think the health uh, director could uh, elaborate on this a lot more than I could. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not opposed to putting this on the ballot. But I don't want the public to get any false um, hopes because right now we already have code enforcement. Our issue really isn't code enforcement. We hit a wall when we get to housing court. It is a very slow process. So we go out, we get your, your complaints, we follow up, we do everything we can do, and then we turn it to law and it, we just we hit, it's hard getting into housing court. But I'm not opposed to get in the public's opinion. I mean, it can't help hurt. So I'm open to that. But I don't want them to think, hey, we have code enforcement. Everything's going to get done. That's not how it works. That's it. I'm all set. Okay, thank you. <laughs> how, many, how many code enforcers do you have? So what do you, in the six, so we have police officers. Those are code okay. enforcement. Right. We have the building department, and you have health department. So we have many people that can enforce the code. How many? Oh, well, I don't know how many police officers you have. Oh, okay. Right. So every, everybody right. in a police department is yeah, they a code enforcer. They can enforce the so code. Yep. Right in now. your ordinances, it tells you who can enforce the code. Right. Build and health police. Yeah. DPW. DPW. Yep. So you have mm -hmm. plenty of code enforcers in that. We do. Place. We do. And the mayor did say, I heard him at several, a couple of the urban meetings, that he would be entertaining probably a part-time. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I just... I'm not against putting it on a ballot, but we'll let it go with that. Okay. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Councilor Oh, thank you. I'll be I'll be quick. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Lisa. You do a great job, um, and uh, you help me on a number of issues, and I appreciate that. Uh, with that being said, I, I do support the code enforcement officer. I've supported Councilor Corshane. Uh, I, I just, I mean, some of our uh, worst problem properties are so bad, and I understand they sit in housing court, but if we had a code enforcement officer, we could find some of these properties, you know, daily or weekly. Um, I know I put a couple on the agenda the last meeting. I'm, I have one for tomorrow night where the overgrowth is so bad, and it's, it's blocking a stop sign, the one on, for tomorrow night. And uh, I just think, and I, I know it's a very wealthy owner, uh, and um you know, who has a variance. And so it's just very frustrating. Some of these properties are so bad for so long and it's not, it's not, you know, your department's fault or any department's fault, but um, I just really believe, you know, if it's going to sit in housing court for two years, we should be finding these people every day. It's just too much, you know, and, and uh, I know ward six has, you know, five to 10 serious problem properties. And I know uh, Bill's ward is, uh, has even more than that. I know Gary uh, Labrie's ward has, has quite a few and uh, you know, it's just very frustrating. And then I just think if we have a code enforcement officer, you know, we could just, you know, find these people every day. And I know the city council unanimously supported this in the past. Um, you know, I, I think if the mayor wanted to do it, he, he would have done it. And so I support uh, saying it to the ballot and, and get a, you know, get a vote from the public, see how they feel about it. Yeah, 
Oh. No, let counsel. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah please. I'll let you address after. Go ahead. Thank you. Are you oh, yeah, you're all set. Oh, I'm set. Thank okay, you. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I fully support this going on the ballot. There's actually no cost to it aside from it just going out. We're already paying for it anyway. So um, I don't see why not. I don't see why we don't pull the public. This is a topic that a lot of residents um, bring up. Uh, Councilor Cushane has been working on this for a very long time, long before I was on the board. Um, and since I've been on the board, I've supported this. Um, the mayor has not supported this. And until recently, um, the narrative has changed depending on the ward meeting. At the ward one ward meeting in front of all present, I actually, um, he had stated that if the council gave, proved to him that you know we needed one, that he would have been in favor, but that he did not believe the council did so. And when I asked him in front of everyone um, why he has not supported it, despite the fact that the council voted unanimously for it to be enforced and for us to have a code enforcement officer, he stated to me in front of everyone that the council has not proven to him that we need it. And so at some ward meetings, he has said that he would support it. And another ward meetings, he has said he has not supported it. So at the end of the day, that's just word. That's just his word. And, you know, I, we should know what the residents want. Um, I support us asking the residents. Um, it doesn't cost us anything, so I don't see why not. Um, and I agree with Councilor Dobas. If the mayor wanted to do it, he could have already done it. This is not a new issue. This is an issue that has been um, at his helm for years at this point. So if he wanted to do it, he could have done it. Now let the residents speak. Thank you. You got the mic. Okay, friend. We've got all these code enforcement people here, there, everywhere, but where do they fall? How often do they actually do this? Whose real responsibility? Where is the accountability for the people to get this job done? Is it primarily in building and the health department? And then we expect the police to follow through or DPW? I mean, I don't think that's good enough in this day and age. I think we have to be a little bit more aggressive in regards to putting on a ballot, that's a no-brainer. doesn't cost us anything. The people have the right to tell us what their opinion is. But in going around and talking to people, I find a lot of people are in favor of a code enforcement officer, not only part-time but full-time, and perhaps have its own division where there's accountability and responsibility in one department to make sure that everything is done. So thank you, Mr. Crochet, for sticking by this. Um, hopefully, uh, we can get the voices heard from the public. Thank you. Concert Krampus. Go ahead. Oh, I'm probably going to be in the minority on this one. Um, <laughs> you know, I applaud Councilor Crochet for, for pursuing, you know, getting, uh, you know, a code enforcement officer. Um, I still don't feel comfortable with putting it on as a ballot question uh, because I think sometimes these things lead to unintended consequences. While this may seem like a good idea and I don't have anything against per se having a code enforcement officer, you know, are we going to start adding different positions, doing ballot questions to, to get, you know, oh, well, I think we need more police officers. So should we put a ballot question to increase of police officers? Do we need to have you know more DPW sanitation workers? Do we put that down? Uh, you know that uh, as a ballot question. You know I 
I think it's one thing, you know, to, to get feedback from the public and, and as representatives of the city that, you know, people can speak to us, we can speak to people. So, I mean, that's what our responsibility is. Um, but I don't, I still just don't really feel that comfortable with saying we should start putting these types of things on, on the ballot. Um, you know, I think, I think, I, I just don't feel comfortable with it. I think it's, to some degree, I feel it, it minimizes what ballot questions are, are supposed to be about. So um, I, I don't disagree with the concept of having an additional code enforcement officer, but uh, you know, at least at this point in time, I'm, I'm not sold on the idea of putting it on, on the ballot. So thank you. Thank you. Anyone else for public, I mean, any other city councilor? Go ahead, so I know we're not here to debate the position just to get on the ballot, but um, a couple of things. This is not a new position. It used to be in the law department many administrations ago. Um, at the law departments, uh, well, they told me to go to see Lisa uh, at the mayor's request to be from when I started the other the next process. And we had a great conversation with Frank and how the position didn't work in the past and kind of really nailed out how it should work in the future uh, appropriately in a, you know, in, uh, for everybody. Uh, so I was kind of really excited after we did that, and it really kind of got me thinking about the position a little more, too, and expanding it. And I've sent, I don't know if I ever sent you what I ended up coming up with, per se. I know it's pretty much what we talked about. Um, and I really thought, you know, you guys were on board from the conversation that we had, because it's, you know, you obviously, I'm assuming you know by now I'm your biggest fan, because I'm always out there, you know, for a department head to go out and do citations, stuff like that. To me, that's not appropriate. I mean, but kudos to you for doing it, but you have bigger things to worry about, you know, and you may feel it's part of your job and I get that and I respect that, but I want better for you, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, but I also brought this back to the table on behalf of the Promise Property Committee. Out of all of us discussing it, you were at the meetings, you know, we were having problems. We don't have the staff to go out and take it every day. Uh, we don't have the staff that can work off hours and weekends when a lot of this stuff is happening uh, when we see it. So that's the whole point of the position. Um, it's just, you know, I'll give you an example. So I have a gentleman at the end of my street. Um, his lawn is about four feet tall, a little bit longer than the nursing home. And I finally said, I texted a sergeant friend of mine and said, can you do a wellness check? So the next shift did the wellness check. At our C3 meeting two days later, I found out he was hospitalized. The next day, I found out he's not coming home. I mowed his lawn. Code enforcement would have been able to see that in their travels and knock on the door and see that person and save them. That's, it's a bigger than just ticketing people every day. It's, it's checking on people's wellness because if the lawn's four feet tall, something's wrong. And it doesn't mean they're neglecting it. It could mean there's something that they need services or we can reach out and find somebody who can maintain that lawn while they're unhealthy or elderly and can't do it anymore. So it's a bigger thing than ticketing people every day. Thank you. Jim, do you have anything else to say before I uh, speak a few minutes? No, I think we've talked about it enough. Uh, hopefully, uh, if we can't get into the ballot thing fails, so be it. The, the least the mayor got the, the information and the question that, that we are concerned about the quality of life in the city. Okay, thank you. So I just want to, just a couple of minutes if I could, and if you could correct me if I'm wrong, Liz, I'm a, a Lisa. Um, I was going to bring up Liz uh, about her department and the building department. So certain things have to be within the purview of the building department, the health department. So the building department can't 
handle your your stuff. It has to be your department. Absolutely. And then the building has their own, and DBW has their own right. on certain things. I'm just saying uh, you are the only one required to do health things. Frankie Bourne, I cannot do health issues. Right. I cannot enforce the building code. Correct. I'm not a building inspector. Correct. So with that being said, I, I, I'm going um, to, th I thank you for that. Um, so one of the things that I, I again, I, I understand where Councillor Cushane is coming from, but then, so I spoke to the mayor and one of the things is we lost our good attorney here in, in the city council and he is now in charge of all the court stuff. Right. And he's doing a process of how he wants to get everything done. And uh, there's a, there's a lot of back stuff that wasn't done for the last couple of years. I think he's finding that he's trying to correct and do. Um, so he's working. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I was hoping that the mayor and he said he would, if we would, if, if you, if we wanted it to do a part-time, which would work with hopefully the attorney and, and be able to do what Councilor Cushing is trying to do as a part-timer and say, okay, where's this one go? Where's the health department one go? Where does DPW one goes, where's the building department goes, because there's certain ones that you're going to just say, hey, you got to go send it to the building department. Your administrators send it to the building department. His administrator tells me he has to forward it to you to take care of. Is that correct? You guys have all your own. That is correct. Okay. So, you know, and, you know, and again, this is the mayor's purview about hiring, writing the job description is up to whoever's mayor uh, in the future to do it however they want to do it. It's not um, it's not an elected thing. It's and we can't tell him what to do. It's under the, his uh, purview to write the job description with the HR department. And that. It's not ours. But I do want to let our attorney talk uh, regarding this. Okay, thank you. So I just wanted to convey our legal opinion on this. Um, Section 17 of the charter says the city council is not to take part in employment of labor making of contracts. Neither the city council nor any member of the committee shall directly or indirectly take part in the employment of labor, nor in the appointment or removal of any officers. So it's the law department's opinion that the city council cannot add employment and you can't move forward with this. Moving forward with the ballot question means you are taking part in employment. Now, that being said, if the council, if this committee and the council decides to move forward with the ballot question, under Mass General Laws 53, Section 18A, the city council may vote on a ballot question. This is just a specific ballot question. Let's say it had nothing to do with employment. If you move forward and did that, that's fine. The city council has the power to propose a non-binding ballot question, but it would also have to be approved by the mayor. Now, that doesn't mean that if the mayor doesn't approve it, the city council could override his veto. So I just wanted to be clear that if the city council moves forward and proposes this ballot question, passes it, put it on the ballot, the mayor still has to approve the question being put on the ballot. And if the mayor doesn't approve it, it dies right there. That's how it works. So I just wanted to convey that to everybody. Thank you. So what you're saying is the mayor has the option Yes, he has to approve it being put on the ballot. So he could say, I'm not going to approve it, and it doesn't go on the ballot. And you can't override that. That's not how the statute works. Yeah, so I, I understand that that, I understand what you're saying. Um, and so if the mayor vetoes it and doesn't approve it, then the mayor doesn't approve it. But I think as a council, we have every right to propose non-binding questions. 
Um, I do not agree with your interpretation that this would be us uh, meddling with employment because this is a non-binding question. If we were proposing a binding question, if Councilor Cushane, rather, let me not take the credit because it's Councilor Cushane who has brought this forward and has worked really hard on this. If Councilor Cushane was proposing a binding question where it would, at the end of it, with the vote, require us to hire a code enforcement officer, then we would be intervening with a hiring of personnel. But because it's non-binding, it's essentially a survey, it's a poll. It's getting the pulse of what the community wants. And like Councilor LaFlamme said, whoever is mayor after the election gets to decide whether they want to hire somebody or not. It's, we can't force them to do so. So therefore, I, I don't see a problem with us putting a non-binding question. Um, I don't think it's interference with hiring. I, I think it's doing our jobs. We, our, our, jobs is, is, our job is to be the pulse, right? Our job is to represent the constituents. And this is a mechanism to understand how they feel, understand how many residents are for or against a code enforcement officer. And at the end of the day, it's just informational. We could get 90% of the residents to say they want a code enforcement officer. Doesn't mean it's gonna happen, but we still at least understand where the residents stand. Right, and that's basically what I was gonna say. I, I just respectfully disagree with the law department that we are meddling in employment because we aren't, we don't, it's a non-binding, it's an opinion poll. So we're just putting it out there and see what it is, it, it goes nowhere. Um, and just one quick thing on, as far as the police officers being code enforcement officers, that is part of the reason why I'm here pushing that agenda is because um, of the difficulty it is for them when they do try to uh, write a citation because as one uh, supervisor told me, it's a 40-step process for a police officer to cite somebody for an, an ordinance, a 40-step process. 40 Obviously, it's exaggerating, but it's not just as easy as a, you know, the building inspector or the health inspector going out writing a ticket. They've got reports. They've got, it's just, it's such a process. They don't do it. And, and it's the PD that's also encouraged me. A lot of officers, I want to say the whole department, um, waiting on their union president to contact me, um, pushing for it because it is, you know, you got to think about it too. They don't have time to write the simple stuff like parking tickets and all that because of the call volume. People don't realize we're a major city. We're not a small town, even though we feel like it. Um, so there's not a lot of time for them to, stop and write for, you know, grass or whatever, um, code enforcement where somebody who's dedicated to that in his travels will see a lot of things in addition to what assignments he received from building and health. Um, so it, it, having police officers as our code enforcement officers, is just not feasible. Um, even if they, even if the process wasn't so, you know, difficult for them, uh, it's just, we don't have, they don't have the time for it. Jim, do you have any other comments before? Take a oh. No, I think it's uh, probably left. Thank should you. be left up to the to the next mayor. Thank you. Either way. Well, right before we go, I just want to say that uh, I think the the um, I so I talked to Frank and, and you mentioned it too that you have people that can do the code enforcement within your office. He has people in his office, and I believe he's trying to work with your department, isn't he? Oh, excuse me. Isn't he working with you about his office uh, filling the filling the positions right now? We're trying to fill the positions you mentioned. So, if the building department has two empty code enforcement processes that are not filled, he's been trying to fill them. Uh, there are, I believe, they're being advertised right now to fill those two positions in the building department. So, no matter how the vote goes, I just want to say that you guys do a great job. In, in doing what you can in the code enforcement. And I do believe you're right when you say that the, uh, the courts are holding a lot of this up. Um, 
I deal with it all the time. I own apartments and I go through the same thing all the time. Uh, just trying to get, you know, uh, to get into the courts is tough. And I think Constantine will agree with me. We've been dealing with one on up in his ward. We know sooner get it done and Constantine worked hard on it. They go to court and the court says, yeah, and they clean it up. And then the next day they start over. So it looks like things are not getting done because that's what happens is they go to court and they play the system. They go, the judge says, okay, you're going to clean up. Yeah, it's clean. Correct. And then they go right back. So it's sometimes people say it's nothing's being done where, especially like him in that ward where I know he's talking about, because I dealt with it for many years. It's over and over and over. He plays the ball on it. So I just want to bring up those things about how bad it is with the courts holding our hands with your department and the other department. That's all I want to bring up. Okay. I'll take a motion. I just want to add to your point. You know, for the record, especially, uh, and, and it's a perfect example of how the courts are holding things up. So on that property, which I've been dealing with for from day one, and it's probably been 30 years total, um, the we actually evicted and condemned. We evicted him from his house. We condemned his house, and the courts put him back in his house. So that's the difficulty we have with the courts. But I think the courts is a small portion of a lot of the problem properties. Uh, but unfortunately, the ones in court are the big problem properties. You know, the really big eyesores and structurally safe, unsafe ones. Right. The ones we court are the ones that affect human life. Yeah. High grass. Right. You know, but exactly. someone living in a house without running water, that's in housing court. And we have to press those issues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and I do. I write tons of tickets. I do. Oh, yeah. And people don't care. And the things don't get cut either. So that's. That's why we try housing court to get like a clean and lean receivership. And that's a good point, which you yeah. just made. They don't care. They, they don't, don't care. Money. Yeah. And I know which property you're just, <laughs> yeah. talking about. We all know about <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm going to let Costello. No, no. No, no. We know that. We know that. Concert Costello. Concert Costello. Sure. Through the chair to the attorney, they're talking about housing court in regards to code enforcement. Is there any other court that they can go into? Can they go into Chicopee District? Typically, everything gets brought in housing court because it's related to housing. That's for the and if we if we brought it in if we brought it in district court. You could petition to remove it to housing court, which people do. So it always ends up in housing court, anyways. Superior court and district court are for different things. So we've we've discussed a case, a separate case uh, on Ludlow Road that went to Superior Court because of the the subject matter of the violation. But most violations, 99% of the violations that Lisa handles, uh, that the health department, building department, go to housing court because that's that's the that jurisdiction over it. The, the, the constant complaint here is it's about court, it's about the housing court. So I'm asking if there's another option, but you're saying no. No, there's that's that's the court of last resort for these types of things. We ticket, they don't respond. They ticket again, they don't respond. They turn it over to law. They go to housing court. The problem is you can't get in the housing court for at least a month, and then the housing court judges are very sympathetic to property owners, and. Not, I'm not criticizing, but just that's how it works here. And so it's it's just a very long process, but it's the only process we have. Okay, thank you. Thank you. 
Okay, so we're going to move the question now. We're all set. Everybody on Zoom, we're all set. So we're going to move the question. Uh, I'm going to read uh, the item number two. The order that the following non-binding questions shall be placed on uh, November 7, 2023 ballot for the city of Chicopee. Someone want to make a motion? Yeah, I'll make a motion that we uh, withdraw. Withdraw? Yeah, I draw. And, and let, let the mayor handle it. So you're, you're voting uh, not I'm confused. He just said he wanted. So Jim, what was your motion again? Motion to re remove it uh, from from putting it on a ballot. And uh, let the uh, let the. Uh, <coughs> Let the mayor and the law department handle the problem and, and solve it. Motion we remove it from the ballot and allow mayor to address. Right. Okay. That's the motion. Motion to remove it from the ballot. Point of information, Mr. Chairman. You, somebody could theoretically on the on the committee could make a motion to move forward just to approve, and the vote could be yes or no, and that's the motion that would be voted on tonight. Correct? That would be correct. Okay, so somebody on the on the, okay, on the committee could do that right now. Well, he's 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 voting no, basically to remove it from the ballot. That's fine, Mr. Right? Chair. Like, simplify it. Means the same it. thing. Correct. I was going to say the same thing. I just you could just uh, Councilor Tillerson could just call the question and you could just vote it down okay. instead of making yeah. it more complicated. Okay. Thank you. That's up to Councilor Tillerson. Okay, someone has to. I can't. I got a second. So someone else has to help. Someone's got to. Oh, okay. Then, then I'll call the question. So what's your motion? You want to make motion a new one, Jim? To, uh, for now, to delete it. Well, somebody here to take the Not place it on the ballot. You have to do it. I can't make the motion. I got to second everything. So, if I could, so uh, through the chair, Councilor Tillotson, if if we just if you just call the question and it's voted down, if everyone votes no, then it gets returned unfavorably to the council. So I think that accomplishes what you're trying to accomplish. So, but basically what he's saying, Jim, it says on here, non-binding questions to be placed on the ballot. So if you want it, you vote yes. If you don't, you, you vote no. Sure. So the, uh, would you want that to be the motion? I it's just going to be this right here. Uh, I, I, no, I vote no. Okay. I so, Gary, can you just read that, Gary, please? I'm going to read that? Yeah. He had ordered that the city employ a code enforcement officer to enforce quality of life, public safety, and all other ordinances within the city of Chicopee. That's not the motion. We need a motion that says uh, to, to, to allow the non-binding uh, question to be put on the ballot. You could do it that way. Simple as that. Mr. Chairman, yes. you have a motion on the floor from Councilor Tillotson. If he can withdraw his motion, and then you just... Yeah, I, I would draw the motion, the motion as it stands. Okay, motion. Do we need a roll call for that? 
No, he's just withdrawing his okay. motion. That's fine. You all right, so we it. need the new motion. So he withdrew, so we're all set. Yes, you can just move forward with a vote on the proposed item. Okay. So the vote will be for either yes or no to send it to the, um, put it on the ballot. Simple. I'll, I'll put out the motion. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you can just make a motion to approve the item. Motion to approve item number two. On the agenda. Motion made in second to approve item number two. Okay. Roll call, please. LaFlamme? No. Zagorowski? No. Labrie? No. Tillotson? No. Right, the motion, I corrected it, thank you. I'm sorry. I think. Uh, it goes before the full board. And it goes before the full board uh, wow. tomorrow evening. Okay, item number three. Minutes. Motion to approve yeah. the minutes of February 23rd, 2023. Motion made and second to approve the minutes of February 23. 2023. Roll call, please. LaFlam? Yes. Zagorowski? Yes. Labrie? Yes. Tillotson? Yes. And the motion passes. Motion adjourned.